millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. Hi, I'm Sarah Smith. If you're the type of person that goes to liberty as other people would go on safari, and the fact that John Lewis doesn't have a funeral service makes you fret, Sarah Smith cleaning cloths are for you. Sarah Smith, available from Sainsbury's for the Posher Washer. Proud sponsors of Dumpty Dum. Dumpty 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 Dum. Dumpty Dumpty Dum. Dumpty 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 Dum. Dumpty Dumpty Dum. Dumpty Dumpty Dum. Dumpty Dumpty Dum. Over the past five years, Slimming World and Sudbury have taken part in Race for Life in memory of a much-loved member sadly lost to cancer far too young and have raised many thousands of pounds for this cause close to our hearts. Our team, Angel D. Lights, will be taking part again this year and would welcome your support. Our Just Giving page is justgiving.com slash angel d hyphen l-i-t-e-s or contact at Dusty Substances on Twitter. Thank you. <laughs> this is Dumdy Dum, the show about the reality darky drama that has centred an Ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. I'm the Farrow and Ball parchment white paint that is Royfield Brown. With me, I have the dried-up tin of Dulux in pigeon crap grey, that is... Lucy Freeman. And the last part of Grange Farm's redecoration is you. Now, today's Dumpty Dum is from Pam Crookshank, along with Judith, Jennifer, Stuart, Liam, Ross, but not Graham, who listens but <laughs> wouldn't join in, in Houston, <laughs> Scotland. I think he needs to change his name to not Graham. This is Graham and not Graham. Not Graham, who listens but wouldn't join in. I like that. Why wouldn't he join in? What's up with him? I don't know. He's shy. Mm. But Lucy. Yes. Can you remind our listeners how they can win the accolade of Dumpty Dum of the Week? Yes, if you would like to sing us a Dumpty Dum, give us a plot prediction or wreck a rented property. Then ring us on 02030313105 or leave us a message on SpeakPipe. Thanks to Shambridges for her amazing voices, to Cosmo for his podcast roundups, and to Sarah Smith for sponsoring us. Um, thanks also to Derek for Load of the Back Bedroom. Derek has been trying to get beach body ready, uh, but he caught the sun quite badly, so instead he's beach ready body. <laughs> I tell you what, I caught the sun over the weekend, dear. Did you? Yeah, yeah. I tell you, if you saw the colour of my forehead and then the colour of my chest, you wouldn't believe it's attached to the same person. 
seriously. Do you know that like you've been really, really badly photoshopped? Is that oh, what you're saying? Absolutely. <laughs> I've got the head of a of a man from deep, deepest, darkest Congo, and then my chest <laughs> is like I'm an Eskimo. <laughs> Couldn't believe it when, when I when I jumped in the shower. I was like crumbs. Yes. But anyway, anyway, on this week's episode, we have calls from Vicky Cole, who's uh, a house party fan. That the house party, those dodgy movies. No, those that that program that I couldn't remember the name of last oh. week, and everybody emailed me to tell me. Yes, yes, yes. Andy Bent, yes, who's setting uh, Johnny up. Andrew Horn, who's pinning his hopes on Piggy. Mich- uh, Michelle Lefert, who's short and sweet. Jan from Cannes, who's taken a long view. Bill Gallagher, who has a prediction for Jack. Yokel Bear, who loves Robert Witherspoon, who thinks Rob will reveal himself. Jojo Sexy Heels, who has a sticky week. And you know what? I've had a bit of an emotional week, Lucy. Have you? Yeah, well, an emotional weekend. Oh, Muhammad Ali, you mean? Yeah, but we'll talk about that a little little bit later. But I watched oh. Thriller in Manila, Rumble in the Jungle, all his Parkinson interviews, and, oh, you know, but anyway... Massive part of my childhood. I've got a little section of my flat, which is um, a little shrine to Muhammad Ali. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big picture of him when he knocked out Sonny Liston. And then I've got another kind of reduced kind of two-tone thing of him. And, and yeah, yeah. But anyway, we'll come on to that later. And New York Nigel, who's doing the ironing. But first, <laughs> before we talk about Muhammad Ali and then somehow shoe- shoehorning the archers... And how we can do that and in such a <laughs> such a weekend. Uh, let's hear about Lucy V Freeman's week in Ambridge. Jennifer told Pat she needed some downtime. Downtime? She never has any uptime. Peggy was interfering away <laughs> like Billio and decided to give Titchinob and Arsula a picture of baby jock James Jan blah, 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 Geronimo. She started calling Tony <laughs> Toady, which is rather appropriate, and also refers to the domestic violence and attempted manslaughter going on in her family as that business and things like whatever the rights and wrongs. This is the equivalent of people who talk about down there and mouth the word cancer. Piggy got a bit of a shock <laughs> having handed over the nice picture, beautifully framed, when Titchy Knob lost his shit entirely over the baby not being named Giddy Up. As if the poor sod is not going to have a hard enough life as it is. Jack John James Geronimo, I mean, not Rob, who needs a much harder life than he has now. Brian has decided to put a stop to the elf visitors, the miserable old fart. If Ed wants to spend his spare time, of which he allegedly has none, making houses for fairies, just let him. Bizarrely, Brian's got nature warden Patrick Hennessy, who is so successful at tracking nature because he is entirely silent, doing a report on the environmental impact of fairy impedimenta. Yes, a fully trained and qualified nature expert doing a report on how fairy huts affect pheasants. Sometimes I love Ambridge so much I want to hug it. Very odd scripting again this week. Linda seemed to take a violent reaction against the jumble trail, which, although tedious in the extreme, didn't seem to deserve the oppitiness that Linda threw at it. And then she picked a fight with Jenny Darling on her birthday. Robert, who was starting to sound more and more like a squeaky gate, played Kofi Annan and stopped the bickering before it ended in fisticuffs, sadly. 
Uh, then, as in the way, as is the way of things at the moment, we were told about something hilarious that happened, but we didn't actually see or hear it, namely the fight over the tracksuit. And NB script editor's Juicy Couture went out about four years ago. Anyway, I'll stop moaning. But we still want a Grundy party. Instead, what we got was an Aldridge party, which was extremely boring. By the sound of it, only three people turned up. Brian made a little speech. Jenny said something fantastically done in response. And it was as if she was thinking out loud. It was almost as if she'd said, oh, I must put that wash on and passed it off as a speech. And the toast was made not by a member of the family or even a long-standing family friend. No, it was made by Justin Elliott, who's been a pillar of Ambridge life since the week before last. This is getting bloody ridiculous now. <laughs> Pip, who now sounds older than her own mother, had a chat with Tom, Josh and then Rex about her erstwhile boyfriend. And to make sure we were clear who was who, kept calling them Tom, Josh and Rex, Rex. Wretch. <laughs> Unnecessarily, over and over again. Yes, Tom, I am missing him. But honestly, Josh, my brother, I do think it's for the best. And really, Rex, who is not Toby, thank you for your concern, but could you stop dribbling on me? Kenton, the spineless git, let Titchy Knob commentate the wingle sicket, and even Shula couldn't be asked to turn up to the event held in honour of her dead husband. Johnny was the hero of the hour by not shaking Rob's hand. He'd be even more of a hero if he boshed him over the head with a bat, but we can't have everything. Ian! Ian was back, padlocking himself to Adam before he decided to make the Piggers any more welcome than he already does. The Piggers had a little briefing from Adam. Any problems, just come to see me any time of the day or night, preferably night. And I do obviously hold all my meetings naked, so feel free to pop in and out and in again. Uh, Eddie jammed some flexible filler in Clary's crack. She's very worried about it, especially as now Eddie said it's gone hard. I can see why she's worried. Eddie has now started talking about himself in the third person and chuntering on about Mr. Elf. There's another one headed to the laurels. You'd think, wouldn't you, that with homelessness staring his entire family in the face and damage being done to the property he's renting, that Eddie might want to have a little bit of a think about what the hell they're going to do for the next six months. But no, he is strimming nettles to make Elf World. Of course he is. Uh, Toby Fairbuttock tried to convince Fagash that there was a huge market for drone photography. Huge, particularly drone pictures of the anaerobic digester. Because who wouldn't <laughs> want an aerial picture of a poo factory on their wall? I don't want to be involved with anything shoddy, said Justin, before he suggested to Fagash that she might like to be his consolation prize mistress, like a knackered old teapot, le teapot left over from the jumble trail. Lillian, for God's sake... If you have a shred of self-esteem, tell him to stick it up his anaerobic digester. The end. Well, I feel that in this episode, we're going to uh, disagree somewhat. Oh. Mm, Justin you you? And, and Lillian. Uh, but I know there, there, there's a call or, or, or five uh, that touch on this, this topic. Yeah. But um, I feel a disagreement in the waters of this podcast, mm -hmm. just saying. Mm, the way you ended your monologue, which I thought was very good this week, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. But still, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm wearing black, Lucy. So I, I don't even know if I can really comment too much on the Archers this week. Because I, I can go off on, on a monologue of my own about Muhammad Ali. But anyway, um, let's, um, so let's recap. Um, so stuff happened last week. Hang in on a the sec. Archers. Whoa, whoa, whoa. This so week, come on, why in... are we going to disagree? Uh, because, and I should keep my powder slightly dry because I know Andrew Horn talks about this in his call. I don't quite have the moral objection uh, that I believe that you have and a lot of the listeners have with Justin. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. 
Whoa. Stop right there, cowboy. I have no moral. I have no morals. I have no moral objection. <laughs> My objection is on the grounds of self-esteem. Mm. Just you're... Uh, my, it always makes me think Maya Angelou said never make someone a priority when all you are to them is an option and what he is saying to her is right I don't want to disrupt my life in any way I don't want to actually man up and get shot of this ghastly woman that I'm stuck with I don't want to do that I don't want the social embarrassment and I don't want the aggro and I don't want to lose half my house and who was it who said next I'm not going to get married again I'm just going to find a woman I don't like and give her my house um, but yes I'm not going to do all that. I'm just going to carry on exactly as I am. But obviously, I'd quite like a bit of sex with you. So is that okay? That's it. That's the deal, pretty much. And if she's got any sense, which she hasn't, she will say, no, actually, it's not. Because what it's doing is thus stopping her actually going to find somebody worthwhile who can see a genuine future with her rather than just being somebody's, you know, option. Nobody should be anybody else's set us you know lay 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 away they're kind of their 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 substitute um their fallback girl is awful sorry mm. very powerfully and eloquently put but you're presupposing that justin uh would take great umbrage if she took a partner you're presupposing that for a start off and you don't know that you could well be right don't get me wrong you could well be right but you don't know that and also you don't know um, of just, uh, you don't know of the the makeup and the relationship that he actually has with his in inverted commas wife. You don't know. You don't. For, well, then for, why why does he not just leave her? If it's that bad, just leave her. Yeah, but marriages and relationships aren't always about sex and sexual uh, contact and no, regular sex. I know they're not. So, but the amount, honestly, Royfield. Every hmm. time I've been hit on. By a married bloke, he said, oh, no, we're just friends, really. It's all gone now. I mean, basically, we're just living together and we're just friends. Every single time. And this is the reason why conversations generally, well, conversations, uh, perspectives on the proposal, the arrangement, um, we find it very hard not to, you know, look into our own personal history as opposed to it in and of the abstract and we pull out uh, and, and we come to our own conclusions about it. But I actually think, and we really are getting ahead of the, ahead of the course here, because um, Andrew Horn um, had an interesting perspective on it, um, I think. Um, I just think, well, you don't know what his marriage is like. You don't know. There could be very good reasons why he still wants to be legally uh, attached to his missus. But yeah, because because, because very good. we we can, we can guess at you know may, maybe some of them and I think you saying social embarrassment um, is is a probably a very insightful reason for the reason why he doesn't want to like you know get rid of Miranda or Miranda to get rid of him. It was heavily hinted at with the interaction between Miranda and Lillian that Miranda is aware of Justin's um, dalliances and she isn't a partner in the, let's say, modern sense, who's particularly that supportive of him and is even physically with him. So, so you, mm. we, we don't know what she's getting up to. You know, we, we, yeah, we know. suppose it's just... because it's a patriarchal society that we live in and because Justin is the focus 
of um, out of that marriage, Justin Justin is the focus. Who is on the archers? So we think that he's the total philanderer. He's the bastard. He's the evil person who's got all the money. And all those things could well and actually be true. I However, don't think he's an evil philanderer. I think he's a chicken shit coward. Same thing. <laughs> like but, most men are in that situation. But we. But I just I don't repeat. Want to actually lose I, I one repeat. Thing. One I want thing. to have two things. I don't want to have to let go of one thing. But you. But a keystone of your argument against Lillian um, taking up this offer from Justin was the fact that um, she is his um, bit on the side. However, he's her main, which I thought was you know it's a fair argument to make. But he didn't actually say that. He didn't say, I know, by the way, Lillian, this stops you from seeing anybody and doing whatever you want to do. He didn't say that at all. No, but but men don't men like him. No, you can't say men. You can't say men. No, I said men I said men like him. Okay, go on. (laughs) Go on. They how I'm I'm trying to work out uh, how to phrase this correctly. The thing that they always respond with is she always knew what the deal was. She all I made it very clear to her right from the start that I would not leave my wife, that there would not be any emotional, there would not be any particular emotional entanglement, that she wasn't owed anything, that she didn't have any sort of rights to me. It was just supposed to be a bit of fun, a bit of companionship. And I made that very clear from the start. But it is what... Uh, Bridget Jones called emotional fuckwittery. It is deliberately, <laughs> it's giving somebody all the green lights and then saying to them, oh, did you think that was green? Oh, no, sorry, afterwards. It's ha- it, it just happens such a lot and it makes me so sad. And the thing about Lillian that, this make, that re- makes me sad about this particular aspect of it is that she's had such a disastrous romantic she she will never go for the easy, uncomplicated option. She had that idiot that went off with Brenda. What was he called? Scott, mm. who was much younger and went off with Brenda. Then she had Matt, who she uh, who was married at the time, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. And she she managed to sort of not manage to, but but uh, he left his wife for Lillian. Then she had Matt's psychotic brother which was all a secret and was all, you know, he couldn't, you couldn't, it couldn't be public and you couldn't let anybody know. And it all had to be secret, secret, secret. And now she's got Justin and that's all got to be secret, secret, secret. You think, why is she not, why does she just not want somebody that's proud of her? That actually wants to kind of say, yep, she's brilliant and I'm giving up everyone else for her. She's great. Mm. Why is there all this hole in the corner? Listen, I don't want to get too Buddhist about, about this. Right, I really don't. But you're missing out Ralph Bellamy for a start off, right? And your distinction or definition of successful, I actually find quite interesting. Purely from a materialistic point of view, she had a very successful relationship with Ralph Bellamy. She's minted, number one, and it's his cash, number one. Number two, Mm. they had a child out of it. Okay, he's an ass. But they had, she has a son <laughs> out of it. Yes. Many people would say that's success, right? She has a child who she loves and she's now a grandmother through her son. Yeah. Okay. All right. 
you said, talking, you said, you said, you said she always has unsuccessful relationships. And I, and I would kind of dispute that. So Ralph Bellamy has set her up for life, number one, and she has a child, number two. Now, uh, so I would say that's fairly successful. Also, with Matt, all right, it, don't get me wrong, it ended badly. And let's say that it takes her, uh, on average, when when you break up with somebody, you know, I don't know, they say it takes 18 months, two years, three years, whatever, to get over, get, to get over them. I'm not saying it was all a bed of roses with her and Matt, but I would actually say, viewed from 10,000 feet, looking down, looking down at that relationship, Matt actually with gave... With one of Toby's her. drones. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Matt gave her more happiness than he did sadness. Was it a perfect relationship? No. Was, it, was Matt necessarily perfect for Lillian? Questionable. But she got more pleasure out of that relationship and it made for, it was a great dramatic relationship. Mm, um, they yeah. seemed very well matched. You know, he was um, a bit dodgy, a bit woo in a bit way, but actually did love Lillian. And it's a shame that that relationship had to end the way that it did in terms of for dramatic purposes. But we know that that is because the actor decided he didn't want to be in the Archers anymore. So yeah. they've had to construct um, a, a, a messy ending for it. But actually, in terms of um, drama and how long-form drama plays out, Matt and Lillian were to be forever and ever. It's just a shame that, that, that the actor decided he wanted to leave and he, and he left abruptly. So we had that um, uncomfortable Cobbled ending. So, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. But actually, it was a successful relationship. Was it perfect? No. But it was successful. And I would even contend that when you look at the span of that relationship, which lasted for, what, I don't know, eight years or seven years or something. Well, I don't think it was quite ten. I, I can't remember. Whatever. Um, that she took more pleasure out of that in hindsight, though she still might be still reeling from, you know, from its demise right now. So... Again, I just kind of question your whole premise that she cannot have successful relationships. And I think it's one of the things that we that we do in in the West. And, and we say that because something has ended, it wasn't necessarily successful. And I know that people can be hurt and devastated by the end of relationships. And, we, and we've all she said on many occasions, um, you know, he did you know many things for me. He gave me great comfort and, and solace, etc., uh, whilst that relationship was, was actually going on, though he, it wasn't always perfect and he was a difficult person at times. But he did care for her. He did care for her. Mm. Talking about philanthropists, yeah. Muhammad Ali was a, was a right one. Was he? Yeah. yeah. But he always looked so nice. Well, yeah, but he, <laughs> he, you know, when he went off and had his thriller in Manila when he fought uh, Joe Frazier, he took his current girlfriend and he was still married and he was there on TV being interviewed with Ferdinand Marcus, the president of the Philippines, and uh, and his girlfriend was introduced as his wife and his wife was watching it on TV, jumped on the next <gasps> plane, flew out to, to Manila. <laughs> so oh, what the hell is going on here, Mohammed? <laughs> yes. 
Yeah. That's when you have to stop. Ah, now, you see, I can explain. That must have taken some bloody explaining, wasn't it? Yeah, well, he, he had a, a famous uh, roving eye. And if you were the most popular sportsman in, in, in the world, it's you know, the I could... Hmm? wasn't it? Be- no, what did you say? I, I completely didn't hear. What did you say, Freeman? I said, <clears throat> I said that was because of the brain damage, the roving eye. <laughs> what, yeah, Sorry, right, it's been very poor taste. It was yes. very poor taste. Though, interestingly, I read an article over the weekend, and I'm sure other people have read this, where this one doctor contended that his Parkinson's, he reckons his Parkinson's, wasn't caused by the boxing. Uh, he said because the the kind of the Parkinson's which is brought on generally by boxing, the 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 boxers succumb extremely fast within like three years, you know. And he says no, his wasn't. The fact that he lasted for thirty odd years with it, he says it was you know it wasn't you know derived. No. Yeah, but I thought it was interesting because everybody else just says well of course it was, you know. But anyway, yeah. anyway, anyway. You know, childhood icon gone, Lucy. Gone, gone, yeah. gone. Mm. So, just saying. But anyway, why don't we um, talk about Muhammad Ali in between calls? And uh, so that means it's probably time to go to the calls then. Hello, Ambridge 3962. <laughs> Hello, Lucy and Royfield and everyone. This is Vicky in Kenya. I'm sorry I haven't called for a while, but we've been up to our ears in school exams, my IB exams. Anyway, I finally caught up with the archers and with Dumpty Dum. I've got some information, I think, for you. Um, Lucy, I can absolutely remember what you were saying about staying home from school sick and that pro- watching that programme with my mum about all the ladies coming round to our house. And I think it was called House Party. And I was thinking about it, I would love to find an episode of it now because I can only imagine how dated it would seem. Uh, Royfield, I can't remember why you wanted to know the price of flour in Kenya, but the last lot I bought was 110 shillings, which is about 75 pence. I've never seen elderflower cordial here, sadly, so I can't contribute to the great dum-de-dum international price index for elderflower cordial, um, which Nigel started last week. But we are coming home for a few weeks at the weekend, so I will be able to indulge myself in elderflower cordial and smoked haddock and Mr Kipling's cakes and all the things that we can't get here. Vicky Cole. They have shillings in Kenya. I didn't know that. Did what you do know you mean? That? You probably didn't know that. Lu- Lucy, you don't listen. What? actually to what I say which is somewhat ironic because when you go on your monologues you know I zone out and I start tweeting yes right yeah when I chat which isn't often on this podcast because I edit this thing right and I look at our timeline well I, I don't have to do anything else I just zone out <laughs> <laughs> but stare out the window I actually <laughs> said to you you talked about Kenyan dollars or something or another last week was it the week before and I said I think you'll find they have shillings in Kenya. Oh, sorry. I've been to Rome in between. I can't remember things before that. Are they just have lira so, down there, do they? No. Sesterces. 
Yes. <laughs> Roman consistencies, camels and donkeys. That's what they have. How was Rome? It was delightful, thinking you. Mm-hmm. It was very, very lovely, actually. What did you do? I thought of you. There was all the history malarkey there was. All the history I malarkey. I loathed the Vatican with a passion, but I very, very much liked the Roman stuff much more than I expected to. Hmm. So Interesting. Very, no, it was really what good. was it about the Vatican that uh, upset you so much, Freeman? It was cold, chilly. I, I mean, emotionally, not not in temperature terms. Um, it was just a money-making, churning mass of stupid tourists who weren't looking at anything. They were just looking at it through their phones you weren't, you couldn't stop to look at anything because they were so keen to just get push everybody through like a sort of sort of sausage machine thing, um, and it was ostentatious and tacky and yeah, that's about it. But I did hear a very funny thing, which I tweeted. So sorry, everyone's already heard this, but people that haven't on Twitter's went it on. Um, this man who was sulking, a dad, the family was sulking. Because he was tired and he sat down on a bench and his wife said, get up! Because she wanted to go and see something else. And he said, no. And she said, Eugene, will you set an example? Picking <laughs> 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 him off in the Vatican. <laughs> <laughs> but I loved um, Palatine Hill and all that. And, uh, and I love the fact that it's not like Britain and you're just wandering along and you turn the corner and there's the Trevi Fountain right there. No railings, no everybody gets back don't touch blah 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 there's people paddling in it and you know it's kind of if that was if that was england everything would be miles away behind behind ropes and you know don't look at it don't touch don't breathe on it don't don't, 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 and in rome you just wander around and everything is just right there so did you just wander into the Colosseum? Uh, no, you have to do an incredibly complicated online sign process because they think that they're oh, going to be an ISIS target. So there is a barrier target. of sorts then? Well, no, there is for that because they think they're an ISIS target. Oh. So there's huge security. But more for that than there was for the Vatican, which was odd. But anyway, the children got fed up with going through um, security thingies. Mm-hmm. Security. And they kept saying, Mummy, and bag searches. They said, Mummy, that man's going to look at your Tampax again. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's probably answered Vicky Cole's call then, hasn't it, really? Vicky. <laughs> <laughs> what we're doing, but I'm very much enjoying the Dumpty Dum retail price index. So now we know about the price of flour in Kenya and elderflower cordial in New York. If mm. anyone can give us a price of blancmange in Norway, that would be great. Thank you. Um, she thinks that Helen is beginning to bond with little baby Jack. Jack, as I think we should call him. The, yes, I mean, Helen now does seem, because she was saying, he is not to have him, he is not to have him, he's taken Henry, he's not to have Jack. Whereas in the beginning, she didn't sound remotely bothered whether or not anyone had Jack or not. So hopefully, she's sort of bonding through fury. Uh, either way, still struggling to care. But, you know... Uh, I do hope it 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 works out for her. There's not much sort of love there yet. There doesn't sound like there is, but then he is a sound effect, so it must be quite tricky to sound. <laughs> I, I I just think that, um, and I think I said last week, if not the week before, that for me the there is too much emoting and 
pregnant pauses and I you know and that sounds somewhat ironic she's she's had the nipper now and it it just feels completely utterly tortuous to listen to her but not in a good dramatic way and she's yes because there's no end in sight we're not coming to a sort of big reveal apart from the fact that he raped her I presume will be the 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 big reveal but you know it's it's a bit endless the procrastination the emotional procrastination that we're going through at the minute it's just moving at such a, a snail's pace uh, which just kind of belies the fact that we are listening to this for you know dramatic purposes really it, it's just kind of too slow and you're just like oh come on get up get on with it and yeah, we, yeah. We, we, we struggle to have any kind of uh empathy with helen the protagonist uh you know as it is you know and yeah you know the 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 writers are duly testing our patience as it is anyway and she's she's a great actor you know she's a great actor but mm-hmm. i just think this is um a lack of, of of direction and and you know and uh kind of pacing here it just feels too slow too slow by heart mm. yeah yeah absolutely but anyway Vicky it's Cole, almost, it's almost hmm? like they don't quite know what is going what's going to happen yet it, it, it's like they're kind of deliberately trying to spin it out almost sort of think oh that's we don't they don't want to sort of come down too heavily on one side or another it's like they're they're sort of dithering about what mm. actually is going to happen well i think you contrast this with the antagonist rob and the fact that in the last week now we've had him come out uh do the the single wicket commentary and it intelligently you know divided opinion so you had some people saying residents of ambridge and uh, not not us listeners because obviously we're, we're privy to the fact that he, he is the monster that he is uh you had people say well oh incredibly brave incredibly brave and then mm. some some other residents of ambridge say Oh, he, he likes to be the centre of attention. He made it about him. Mm. So, so you feel that there is some kind of movement there, that people are starting to see through him, but could, you know, talk about the fact that that he is a narcissist or that he is a martyr. And you know, characters have actually said that to each other. Whereas this Helen thing is just—I was going to say it's chunting yeah. along. It's not. It's just like, oh, come on. No. It's you know, stuck, yeah. Yeah, it's absolutely stuck. And you just want to bog in the barrister just to get yeah. by the lapels and just shake her and say, woman, <laughs> you're traumatised, yeah. I know, but spill the bloody beans. <laughs> We've got 12 minutes of this thing each day. <laughs> right. Chop, chop, you know. Yes, yes, I know. There's a Henry and the rabbit. Yeah, yada, yada. Anyway, what were... <laughs> you know, and yeah. uh, that's a very good point because that... So, so what was Henry? Was you know he was a rabbit. You you could just hear her her eyes rolling. Yeah. Going, oh yeah. God, he, he was a toy, and she, she didn't exactly paint Rob out to be the absolute monster that we knew, know him to be. With, with that anecdote, did he sit on the sofa? He raped you. Yeah. Tell her that. Yeah. Not that yeah. he made Henry sit mm. on the sofa. And but again, she's not talking about anything that he did to her, is she? She's no. only talking about no. what he did to Henry. And again, because she thinks she deserved it, but Henry didn't, mm. and that's why she she defended Henry, but she wouldn't. Def- she 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 stabbed him in Henry's defence, not her own. And again, we just go back to the fact that 
we said many, many, many moons ago when she de uh, delivered the, the knife uh, to Rob's person that they've then not served uh, the issue of highlighting coercive control um, mm. well because we've, re we've reduced it to a procedural now. And then yeah, one yeah. where we are losing sympathy for the victim. You know, yeah, I'm losing. I'm losing sympathy for everybody. I'm. I'm even losing sympathy for Thomas the flipping rabbit. All <laughs> 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 now, Pat, a whole lot of them. Mm. Even Tom's going. God, blimey! I'm glad to be out of there. <laughs> <laughs> well, and uh, last week we didn't really spend any time on the whole Tom and Jazza reunion, did we? Really. No, because it was a pile of shite, wasn't it? I mean, it was quite sweet and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But we could all see it coming a flipping mile off. True that. True yet, that. Yet, yet another. Mm. I, am, I want a family meeting to discuss radically changing the entire farm. Oh, no, changed my mind. Again, you know, mm. they've all done it. Shooter will decide that she's going to start having llamas at the stables next and then go, no, change my mind. Sorry. No. <laughs> Stupid idea. Uh, Should we do Andy Bent now? All right. Does he talk about Muhammad Ali? No. Oh. Hello. My name's Andy Bent. First time caller in, uh, Long, long time listener. I know you like new caller in to explain their occupation. I'm a local government intelligence officer. Don't know how much use that is to you and the Dumpty Dum community, but if ever you need local government intelligence, I'm your man, come to me. Uh, reason I'm calling in was the discussion in this week's show about the people from whom Johnny might get some sweet, sweet loving. It doesn't necessarily have to be a young lady. There would be quite an interesting storyline to be had if he were to decide that men are brilliant. I mean, the obvious candidate to me that, that sticks out is Josh. They're about the same age, I think. Neither of them particularly ever seems to have had a, a long-lasting girlfriend. I think that would be fun. I think it would be very interesting to see the family's reactions. And I think it might give us some light relief. And opportunities to make tasteless jokes about male hens. Uh, <coughs> Andy, Ben, I'm not sure... Local government intelligence isn't a contradiction in terms. <laughs> no, you. I'm sure you are very good at your job. Um, it would be interesting if Johnny was gay. I agree. And it would be very interesting. But, but if... he ain't gay because remember when he first yeah. came in, he, what, he, no, yeah. he talked about the girls that in been, on his course. That would have been an experimental stage. <laughs> true. Very true. Could have been. But I just no, no. thought, He's fine. when I did listen to that call, I thought, Andy, you've completely forgotten that Johnny's actually quite confident with the fairer sex because he talked about girls on his course and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, when he, when he first came. Yeah, and but that... my best friend, who is gay, mm. is, incre was, is always incredibly confident with women throughout school and everything mm. and, and still is. Uh, and is and is gay, and had lots of girlfriends at school, and everybody fancied him. Hmm. How well hmm. do you know so your we your friend? Were, were you one of his kind of you know lady friends? No, 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 
No, no, oh. I knew he was, but oh, okay. he'd, he'd sort of tell anyone else. Local government intelligence has let you down there, Andy Bent. I, I don't think. I tell you what, though, right? I tell you, over in this Bay Area, there is. Everybody describes it as a fluidity of sexuality, and sexuality yes. is is you know, we're all on, yes. on a spectrum, right? Yeah. But uh, it is slightly bewildering over here. You can come with a kind of British sensibility, and 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 everybody is kind of um, kind of bi curious, and you do yeah. go what. Ooh, uh, uh. It's just, I just I just say that just because he just chimed with me what you said about your friend there. Though uh, you said well, he's well, um, of the I'm gay persuasion. My, yeah, my daughter, who's in year eight, mm. comes home and regularly tells me that so-and-so's, she's at a girl's school, so-and-so's mm. come out, or so-and-so's bi, or so-and-so's whatever, and I say, oh, right. And then the next week she says, oh, she's not that anymore. <laughs> because at that age... You think everything that you feel, you're going to feel like that forever. Mm. And, you know, you think that's it then, that's it. But it, they're just incredibly relaxed about it. I think it's no, fantastic. No, no, listen, of, we, it's the, brilliant. No, I listen, absolutely, absolutely. And at Maisha's school, so you go there twice a year for some amazing school production. And the last one yeah. was The Lion King. Number one, it puts into stark relief the nonsense nativity crapola that we used to do as kids some some 30 <laughs> years ago because these are really no, lavish productions and uh, and he's not just me being a parent going along and saying oh look at my look at my offspring that's just amazing it's loose these things are lavish and this is a state school right you know yeah. so the lion king was just absolutely amazing with the costumes, the lighting, the sound effects. And that's before you actually look at the performance actually of the kids there who were singing songs and dancing and all sorts. And um, this boy, whose name escapes me right here and now, is as camp as a row of tents. And he's 15. Every school musical, musical production, he's there singing and dancing. And actually, he's the, the show stealer. And yeah. everybody, and he, and he's out. He's been out since he's about yeah. thirteen. Now, <laughs> you know, I was about to say we weren't born in the last century. Yes, we were born in the last century. But, <laughs> <laughs> but there is. I remember Jamie Deakin um, at school. He wasn't the one who smelled of wee, was he? No, <laughs> no that was Mark Plant, right? <laughs> Jamie Deakin. Plant, I forgot. Yeah. In hindsight, <laughs> as a forty-seven-year-old male. He was so obviously gay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But you couldn't come out as a child. No. When, you no. know, in the, forget the 60s, in the 70s, in the 80s, arguing in the early 90s. And I just think, what yeah. a world. And it's great that our kids are yeah. so comfortable with any label of sexuality, yep. any label of just whatever. I was chatting to somebody yeah. the other day in a bar. <laughs> this bloke said, uh, white guy's chatting to you at the bar just casually, chatting away, and he, you know, oh, you, you, where are you from? I'm from London, blah, blah, blah. But actually, I'm really, I'm from Birmingham, lived in London, yada, yada, yada. We're chatting on. And we're talking about labels. And, you know, I come out with my normal thing about, you know, people think I'm an African-American till I open my mouth, and then it kind of slightly scrambles their perception a little, blah, blah, blah. And he said, yeah, uh, my daughter said, uh, called herself an African-American the other day. And I went, oh, she got a black mother? Went, nope. She's got blonde hair, blue oh. eyes. 
and and he, and, he, and he starts laughing and he says it's just kids nowadays they don't see yeah. you know it's what they feel and yeah, and i and absolutely. i said well she's only six so me and my wife sat down and sp- spoke about it says shall we tell her that she can't be african-american uh and he said well you know she'll she'll realize at some point that it isn't just the way that you feel it's also you know an an ethnic um label it's the way that you look yeah. and whatever but she said you know she just said no she wanted to be an african-american because she identifies you know with them but and, and he said it was really interesting that she didn't see it as um a racial construct yeah you know yeah. and you know and yeah. you look at and i and that's got to be applauded that uh, yeah. whether it's sexuality or what you know we live in a, an amazing time yeah. and things have just happened so quickly and and, it, and it's absolutely to be applauded my 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 friend sarah has mm. had a little boy who was three mm. and uh he, she was in a cafe and he was sitting there doing his coloring and um a man came in who uh, was dressed as a woman and uh, he came in and ordered his coffee and Sarah was ready for the question from her little boy. You know, he sort of looked up, looked down, looked up again and was studying this bloke. And he said to Sarah, oh, look, there's a man dressed up as a lady. And she said, yep. And she was waiting for the about to launch into her, you know, explanation. And he went, it's like yesterday I was dressed up as a pirate. <laughs> <laughs> And she said, "Yes, you were." And she just left it there like that. She just, "I'm not. There is no need for me to overcomplicate this." He's just made sense of it. Fine, move on. Because <laughs> he's only three, but uh, although it's quite good. Um, yes, Andy Bed. Hello, Andy. Sorry about this. Going. Oh, off can I just uh, can I just applaud? I don't think he's gay, Andy. So there we go. No, he's not. Yes. He's not. Uh, can I just quickly applaud Andy? I'm gonna go because he said what he did. He did. As opposed to Mr. Gallagher later, who who didn't. But you you went through oh, the gears, sir. Um, you are officially a caller in a and uh, well done. Yes. But talking yes. about labels, that Muhammad Ali, right? I tell you, yeah, loose, right? It's one of those things which uh, you you realise in hindsight the full weight of everything that that man kind of bestowed upon us people of a of a darker hue on the planet, right? But it's, I kind of realised something over the weekend and nobody's kind of really commented on this. But his name change. So he was Cassius yeah. Clay and then he wins the heavyweight championship and he becomes Muhammad Ali. There's much more significance to that within the black community, both sides of the Atlantic. Uh, and he was kind of uh, the full kind of... The, forebearer of black people naming their children in ways which were not classically English or let's say white. If you look at American names of African-American children pre the late 60s, they're John, William, Stephen. Through black consciousness, you have LeBron, Dijon. And then and you look at my family names of the children and the 70s on, it's Kuwane, it's Keisha, it's uh, Monisha. And Muhammad Ali was the first person of colour to consciously reject his slave name. And that had a massive, massive impact 
because he was the most beautiful man in the world, he was so funny, he was so clever, and he was such an icon. And as I say, this is one aspect of his legacy, which I haven't seen written or talked about at all. You know, people mm. didn't consciously do it because Muhammad Ali changed his name, but you, they looked around for, for icons, for people who looked like them, but actually said, you can be black and you can be proud at the same time. So to say that Muhammad Ali was um, an important role model in my household is putting it lightly. And I kind of tweeted this out um, over the weekend. But my dad went to work every day for West Midlands Passenger Transport. He was a bus driver and loved his job. He only didn't go to work on one day, never feigned illness, my dad. If he was sick, he still went to work. You know, he was of that generation. You just went to work. The only day my dad bunked off work is when Muhammad Ali came to town in about 1977 <laughs> to open the, the Muhammad Ali Centre in Birmingham. And he said to me, son, you're not going to school today. I'm not going to work. We're going to go and see the greatest. Wow. Yeah. I was about two foot away from him and John Conte. And the joke was, he opened Foster's menswear, Lucy. <laughs> Heavyweight champion of the world. So the, <laughs> he was the most famous man in the world by far. <laughs> yeah. And he opened, you know, not even Topshop. Foster's wasn't even as, as salubrious as Topshop then. And it just shows you what a different world we lived in. The best day of my kind of, like, what was I, nine something like that, nine-year-old oh. life. My dad had on the wall, he cut out this image of Muhammad Ali from Sports Illustrated or whatever, and we had it on the wall, and he cut it out so carefully, so just against his white background. And we had that on our wall for about 20 years, Lucy, because it, he oh. was first time, if you were black, you looked at somebody who, who was black and said, you can be black and be proud, and the, there was no compromise. It wasn't, it, wasn't, yeah. it wasn't a white person's black man, you know, and that sounds like a dreadful yeah. thing to say, but that's just the truth. You know, he said, I've yeah. got a big mouth and I don't care. And look at me, you can be like me. And moving swiftly on. What else? Are your what parents else? okay? Have you spoken to them about it? Well, gosh, no, me, 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 my dad's well sad, but... <laughs> And, um, we had uh, we had a bit of a chat uh, over the weekend, and um, I found the picture. You know, I'll tell you what, Lucy, the internet's an amazing thing. You want to try it sometime. So, I I, I googled Muhammad Ali, John Conte, Fosters, and the you know, and the picture came up with Muhammad Ali, John Conte in Fosters menswear in Birmingham. And posted the picture to my dad. My dad couldn't believe it. He said, how did you find that picture? And yeah, the internet, dad, <laughs> it kind of works. But it's just, um, and what? And that's it, a lovely little side note to that. So uh, my best friend from senior school, because I posted that on, on Facebook saying, this is the day when dad says, you're not going to school. We're going, we're going to see the greatest. And my best friend from senior school said, uh, Paul Short, my, my, my white best friend, and he said, oh, my, my dad went to that as well and, and shook his hand, as, you know. And it was just just oh, an amazing, yeah. everybody um, of a certain age kind of remembers uh, that man. Mm. And the, the power of his comedy, 
you know, forget mm. just the fact that, you know, he was a big, handsome guy and he could, he could knock people down and stuff. Just all those interviews he did with Parky, mm. you know, he was just a funny but politically mm. adroit person. Yeah. And yeah. Um, to say that when he uh, went out of boxing, bo- boxing died, he, you know, he's just just one part of the, the strength of, of his legacy. And yes, you know, you look back at it now and, you know, would I want my son to be a boxer? Absolutely not. Um, you, you're knocking seven bells out of each other and it probably did contribute to his uh, Parkinson's, um, you know. Um, but it was it was a time when um, kind of heroes were, were truly heroes, you know, and that sounds like a really mm. naff thing to say, but when you just layer on top of all the things that she stood for, you know, it's kind of... Um, you know, when he passed, boxing passed, and, and maybe it's a good thing that it has, really. Mm. <sighs> we can get on with a caller in or now, Luce. OK, Andrew Horn. Greetings, Earthlings. I don't know whether it's uh, just me or or whether all Archers and Radio 4 fans are, are sort of creatures of habit, but I, I enjoyed this week increasingly uh, once I'd... Uh, got my own, own little holiday routine sorted and uh, was listening to it um, with an espresso by the pool and settled in for my little uh, catch-up every day. And it's been quite a good week, I think. Um, I started by being uh, really pleased with Johnny, um, sticking one on Rob at the single wicket. But on reflection, I think it's not really sportsmanship, is it? Not to shake his hand. I mean, he could have sh- shaken his hand and then made a, made a point somehow. But anyway, well done, Johnny. Now, Peggy, I'm pinning my hopes on you. You've now seen Rob's explosive anger and uh, his reaction to the naming of Jack, uh, hoping that she will put two and two together and actually uh, start realising why Helen was driven to do what she did. I'm sure I'm not the only one who completely missed some a big hole in the plot. Please correct me if it was me missing it, but Liz and Rick and their tenancy at number one, the green, when did this happen? And why did Will uh, let it to them and not back to Ed and Emma? They hadn't fallen out at the time. It was just the flood that made them move out. Um, they seem to be getting on quite well. Why wouldn't it go back to them when, when it was repaired and move someone else in? Did, did we know this or, or was it just because they'd already moved up back to the to the family home and Justin now Justin you're letting the side down if you're looking for a bit of fun you could at least make it sound like it um, I bet you even make your business pitches more enticing than that quiet word with uh, with Lillian it won't do I'm, I'm not being prurient you can have your fun that's uh, that's up to you you're both consenting adults but make it sound like fun please We are now entering the time of year, Royce, when mm-hmm. people are going to irritate us by telling us about the nice holiday things they're doing <laughs> while they listen to us. For example, I'm sitting here sipping my espresso by the pool, blah, 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 Andrew Horn. Mm. Um, Can yes, I just say I I've been irritated by you talking about the Trevi Fountain and the, and the Coliseum. Oh, exactly. Oh, piss off. You're Pots and kettles. It's not holiday. It's not holiday. No, I know, but you're still there and it's better than here, I presume, well, isn't it? That, I mean, the weather must be better. The, the weather is far superior, but it's not a holiday. Then. It's not a holiday. So there's listeners um, saying we're at, that, we're at that point in the year 
when Lucy from Dumpty Dum annoys us by saying that she's been on exotic European sojourns. Just saying, pots and kettles. Anyway, Andrew Horn. Whatever. Um, <laughs> yes, Liz and Rick at number one, the green. Who the hell are Liz and Rick? They haven't mm. said a word. They've been in there for a year. Not a peep out of them. Um, yes, I... I, I'm not, you know, that some people kind of have this, uh, well, I'm thinking of Cosmo probably, have this kind of um, bird's eye view of Ambridge and where everybody lives and, and all that stuff. I have no sodding idea. I don't know how far anywhere is away from anything else. And I don't know a lot of the time. I know the big, this is awful. I know the big houses, <laughs> the houses with names, I know, but the ones with numbers, I kind of don't know. Um so yes, I don't, I don't, I don't even know where number one the green is. Um, so Ed and Emma will now go back to Ambridge View, I presume. I don't know if anyone's actually asked Susan about that, or is just assuming that uh, she's going to let them. Um, Andrew Hunt, he says that Justin is letting the side down mm. by his uh, somewhat matter of fact, shall we say proposition to Lillian he did make it sound as if he was asking her to return his library book and pick up some sprouts on the way back um <laughs> it didn't sound very exciting did it and and uh, well and yeah. this is I well thought... I've ranted on about this so I'm not gonna do it anymore well I'm I'm not gonna rant on uh but I will I will um I will comment on what you said uh Mr Mr Horn I thought it was a very interesting uh perspective on the indecent proposal um and I think you have a point. But what I liked about this, and I'd take my hat off to Justin, you know, he said, you know, he laid it out on the line. But maybe uh, to, uh, to try and back up what you were saying, Lucy, he could have gone into a little bit more detail in terms of, well, Lillian, this doesn't preclude you from seeing anybody else and whatever, etc. But he said, look, Lillian, we're people of a certain age. We're not children anymore. We like each other. We get on. You know, he did mention his wife without saying, that. oh, she doesn't understand me. He didn't. He didn't go down, go down that road. And I suppose you could make a very strong argument for saying that you should do it very dispassionately and just say, these are the facts where people are, we're, you know, we're slightly long in the tooth now. We both like each other. We enjoy each other's company. Um, why don't we slightly take this to the next level? And, you know, and I, I said, you know what, Justin, you know, good for you. Cause he, he, he laid it out on the line very clearly She's a grown-up. She's an adult. She can make of that proposal. Yeah, well, if she goes for it, she's an absolute idiot. <sighs> Lucy. What? Well, she is. Well, because, I mean, it's up to her. <laughs> because, it's up to her, isn't it? Because. <laughs> because. It's, it's, and, yeah, but, you, but your reasoning on this is all based on the fact that every man... Every married man that's ever said, Lucy, or oh, fancy a bit of rap and tumble with you, as you know, you've painted I them said all. It like that, thank God. <laughs> yeah, but you've painted them all out to have all exactly the same, you know, nefarious motivations that they just wanted to get into your marks and sparks, says you know, and marks and sparks. How very dare you! But, but but so what is it he wants then? If he's not trying to get into her pants, what does he want? But it's not just that, though, is it? It's not know. just that. There is companionship, Lucy. The pair of them do like each other. I think we're letting sex 
cloud the li- fact. If he just wants to like her and get on, I get on well with you. And I mean, apart from the fact that you're a million miles away, there's, you know, we, we neither of us has, have ever, you know, done, said that or anything. Because we, if you, give it if you time, get on Lucy. with somebody. Give our relationship time. You never know where <laughs> to <might> go. <laughs> 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 if oh god i've actually gone red now so it's like <laughs> on my own <laughs> if if it so i get on with you i have no i don't need to say to you i get on with you royfield blah, blah 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 you just accept it so the difference is the reason he's saying this is because what he's saying is i would like to have sex with you but i don't want you to think it's anything other than sex that's what he's saying. I don't think he quite quite said that. He said he said we he said no, we he get didn't on. Say that. He couched it in a much more vague language, but that's exactly what he meant. Well, look, all I'm saying is right, and I take your point to a degree. If they get on, why can't they just get on? Why does it have to be sex yeah, exactly. into the mix? But there 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 obviously is a spark and a sexual attraction between them. And so what, right, if a couple of adults in their, what, late 50s, early 60s, whatever age they're supposed to be, want to enjoy each other's company uh, mentally and physically. Because never, ever ends up just being That's not true. That's not true. And I actually can name you, but I don't embarrass you, embarrass them. Um, four or five relationships which have started out in such a way and then people have actually got hitched. Absolutely could. Absolutely could. It's somewhat of a, a trope uh, to always say that, oh, you know, they, these, thing, these things never work out. The chances are they probably won't, statistically speaking. But that's not to say that it's impossible, like they but they anyway. can't. Anyway, all I'm saying is I kind of, I'm not going to say I applaud Justin, for, for you know, for the way that he said things. But I say, you know what? Fair play to you. He didn't say, my wife doesn't understand me. We're in some sexless, loveless, you know, sham of a marriage. I think us as the listeners can pretty much work out how dysfunctional, in a traditional sense, that marriage is. He didn't have to say that all that to Lillian. He says, I have a lot of time away from her, uh, Herbie Miranda, um, you and I get on, we enjoy each other's company, and that has been proven. You know, they've gone out to functions. Yes, should she be, you know, should he said to her, uh, be my social secretary and you can buy some dresses? I thought that was some, somewhat demeaning. But she still said yes, you know. Uh, but they actually do get on. So let them have their fun. Who bloody cares is what I say. Because in about three weeks' time, it won't be fun. Lillian will be pissed and crying, and we'll have to listen to it. <laughs> you know. But again, I'll refer Bet you. I refer you. I refer you. Loose. Loose. What? Right. If she ends up crying three weeks' time. Yeah. Lillian is big enough, smart enough to eventually dust herself off. And, and to go on, and she will have, and she'll be oh, older God, and wiser. What herself? Older? She's seventy. 
Oh, Why she's, would she's she not put 70. That? She's in the 60s, isn't she? Is she is 70. Is she? No, she's now, yeah. I'm sure she is. But why Why would she put herself through it? Why not just go and find because somebody not who doesn't yet. have a wife? She's not dead yet. No, but no, I'm not saying don't ever have sex again or don't ever date or don't... But don't bloody date somebody that for, when you are second on the list. Go and find someone that you puts don't, you first listen, on the list. Listen, you don't know. You don't know that she is um, second on the list. You actually don't of know. Of course she is. Miranda. Because, Wait a minute. Justin, 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 to all intents and purposes, Justin has moved to Ambridge. Miranda has not moved to Ambridge. She's going to swan in once every, what, three months at best. Yeah. So Lillian's got another pretend boyfriend. Well done, Lillian. Lucy. What? She's got a timeshare. That's what she's got. It's like Airbnb so with men. What? So what? Is my point because to that? Wait a minute! No, no. You, you're probably correct. I can't believe we're having a proper row about this. It's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, if that happens, it might yes. happen. It might not. And you know what? So what? I think she's got enough perspective now, or at least she should, at her age, to say, "This man has a wife." I spend some time with him when he's not with his wife. So what is what I'm saying? If this, if there were uh, children of a formative age yeah, involved, yeah. Yeah. if he turned round to her and said the things that you, you know, you, you said, I, my wife doesn't understand me. And oh, by the way, I'm sneak out, you know, on a, on a Friday night and let's have a quick roll around in, in, in a haystack. But I've got to be back by, you know, 11.30. I would not be up for it. I'll be saying, no, 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 and I'll be with you completely. But you're talking about people slightly in, in the, the sunset uh, years years of their life, but they're still relatively fit, able, agile. It's two people who enjoy life and fun, and they have the time and the space. And more importantly, screw the sex, pun intended, they like each other. They get on. Yeah. Let them get on yeah. and have their fun and, and just, just leave her alone. All right. Okay. Just say it. Give it time. <laughs> anyway. Michelle Lafert agrees with me, so... <laughs> <laughs> that your considered answer to her call? Yes. I've given up arguing rashly now. I've just reverted to making stupid noises. <laughs> um, yes, she says... Well, I'll, we can play what she says. Hey, it's Michelle in Rhode Island. I'm just calling to say Justin Elliott... There is no man in Ambridge who more deserves a gin and tonic in the face. It's just unbelievable. That's all. Yes, see, gin and tonic in the face. Quite right, Michelle. Now, Jan from Cannes. I love Jan from Cannes. Now, someone else, I love Jan from Cannes. Not just because she sends us cake. We love her anyway. Um, (laughs) Hello, Lucy, Royfield, Millie, and Dumpty Dummers everywhere. It's Jan from Canada calling in with a prediction. As much as many of us dislike him, there may be a good reason for having Toby in the Archer storyline. I predict that his new fandangled drone is going to pick up the image of human remains one day while filming the countryside, and it will turn out to be Stefan, the missing dairyman. With any luck, the knob's DNA will be all over him. 
It would be a fabulous way to tie up at least one of the many loose ends in the archer's plotline and to finally be rid of he who shall not be named. She said, someone else said this on the Twitters, that something will be revealed from the drone aerial footage. I doubt very much it will be human remains because I don't know how you would find that through drone footage because it's quite hey up. But I think it could possibly be a blocked culvert or similar. Something where something, you know, drainage or something has been fiddled with or there's some sort of sign of water being diverted or something like that. But there's got to be a point to this drone thing, surely. It can't just be another grunty wall that's kind of... That that's ought to be our catch-all euphemism for stupid plot lines that are just popped up, just dumped in for no apparent reason, just to keep us all jolly. A Grundy wall. Uh, so the drone is a could be a Grundy wall. I don't know. You know what? We have some very clever listeners, or at least the archers does. Yeah, that well, that's obviously got to be the reason for the drone. Mm. Mm. Because yeah. it is the most bonkers and ridiculous kind of like... Yeah. yeah well done. Well I mean, done. I know it's current. They always like to shove in a current thing, don't they? To show mm. that they occasionally read the newspaper. But Well, talk, yeah. talking about current, and I know this was um, yesterday's being Sunday's episode, but there was mention of Brexit. Yes. And... I couldn't believe what came out of the one person's mouth because I know we should be talking yes, about this really next week. It, it, I was, it was like, the wrong character, wasn't it? it? Absolutely. How the hell can you say that considering yeah. that you have yeah. pickers? You know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it made yeah. zero sense. I know. That sounded like, ooh, did we better say something about this? Yeah. J- quick, just, yeah. Yeah. I really did. It was one of the, you know, other than um, Helen. Helen and Rob and, and the stabbing. That yeah. is one time when I sat up bolt upright and said, That's wrong. Yeah. Surely yeah. your motivation for, for it's Adam. Let's just call it as it is. There's nothing we're talking yeah. around the issue. So Adam says, <laughs> <laughs> I want to leave I'm I'm pro a Brexit. And David says, But what about all the subsidies? And what I thought was really interesting, yeah. and then Adam says, But we had subsidies before. We went into the EU and uh, and that farming is a, um, you know, is an industry which is somewhat protected by government, uh, which then David says, but what about the coal industry, the steel industry? They said that about those and those are, those are withered and, and died. But how can Adam, after just inducting the new set of pickers, be pro-Brexit? with pro-Brexit because he won't have any pickers anymore because he knows that British, uh, young British workers will not work for that wage doing that job. That's the reason why they have to bus people in from Bulgaria, Romania, you, you name it, to do that job. And to open borders absolutely aids his business. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yes, it the, was, it for, was forget yeah. the rights or the wrongs with open borders, you yeah, know, it just purely for the, you know, the, the selfish reasons of running his business. That made no sense. Mm. No, no. Yep. No. Bonkers. Um, should we do Bill Gallagher? 
All right. Good morning, uh, Roy Field and Lucy. This is Bill Gallagher, first time caller in era. Um, I've been uh, inspired to call in by uh, a, a, to make a plot prediction, which is not something I've done in the past. But the, the prediction is inspired by uh, an exchange, uh, not in last week's episodes, but in the previous week's episodes, immediately after um, young John Anthony's birth, an exchange between, I think it was Tony and Peggy. Tony mentioned how lovely and quiet the baby was and how it hardly ever cried. Now, that reminded me of a scene in an old David Lodge novel called How Far Can You Go, in which somebody's baby is described in similar terms. And that baby, as I remember, turned out to have Down syndrome. So that's that's essentially the the prediction, that um, the baby will have Down syndrome, which um, has obviously obvious implications for the relationship between Rob and Helen. Rob uh, is unlikely to, to react well to the idea of a disabled son. It won't fit his uh, pre, preconditioned expectations of what uh, the son and heir should be and do. And of course, it, it also uh, would explain why um, our Bethany was uh, dispatched from the show with su- such haste after being established as a Down Syndrome character. Great dramatic potential. But um, that's my prediction. Uh, Look forward to hearing your views. Thank you very much. First time caller in a did not reveal occupation, which means that we have to make one up for you. I suggest (laughs) manager of a lap dancing club. Hmm. Um, Actually, he mentioned um, How Far Can You Go, the David Lodge book. And I love that book. And you reminded me how much I love it, Bill. And I'm going to go and find it in my chaotic bookshelves and read it again so thank you for reminding me how much i like it i don't think i understand i know completely what you're saying about poor little jack but they're not because they didn't run the bethany story they're not going to run another down syndrome story um they they chose deliberately not to run with the down syndrome story but i think what they're trying to imply actually if 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 you're not right um I think what they're trying to imply is that uh, Jack is withdrawn because Helen's not bonding with him. I think that's what they're trying to say, that he's quiet and sort of reserved and not demanding baby because babies that are kind of a bit overlooked or whatever, they have a bit of a, they have a mother with, 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 with um, under, in stress or has mental health conditions or whatever, can be sort of slightly withdrawn as children. So uh, maybe that's possibly what they're trying to suggest with that. Um, or it could just be one of those things people say about babies because people say all kinds of nonsense about babies and attribute all kinds of things to them that they can't possibly be old enough to do or think or show or whatever so yes i'm not i don't agree with you that she has down syndrome but they're definitely trying to get something across but i think it's the lack of bonding between mother and baby do you remember back in the kind of early days of the podcast when i'd always trying to shoehorn in a, a historical reference yeah the, a, here's one so this is, t- takes us back to the good old days all right uh, frederick barbarossa holy roman emperor king of sicily um he kind of he famously experimented with newborn children and because Frederick Barbarossa he could speak German he could speak Latin Italian Arabic he could speak a whole smorgasbord of uh, of languages and he said if we don't speak to newborns they will speak the true language whatever that is so he instructed uh some 
nurses in some kind of um it wasn't obviously it wasn't a baby centre, it was talking about twelve hundreds, something or another, only to feed children, not to cuddle them, but to feed them uh, and not to speak to them. And they all died after six months. Oh God. Yeah, and it was so it's the power oh, any yeah they even if you can't speak to a child because obviously some children are born deaf you still need to cuddle them so that a child will thrive you know they need language and physical contact otherwise you know if you just feed them and just change them actually they won't thrive and actually eventually they'll die oh it's one of those little anecdotes about um he was called stupid monday was the wonder of the world frederick barbarossa because he was so clever and handsome and he was the the, the medieval emperor uh of par excellence so to speak and you know on the face of it it made a whole load of sense you know let's not speak to these uh newborns and they will give us the real true language yeah. of, of humanity yeah and all the children died yeah. oh mm. That's horrible. So I'm glad at least <sighs> Peggy's picking up little Jack and hugging him. Yes. Yes. Well, no, I think I think Helen's kind of getting it now. Yeah, isn't she, she is. She's waking she up is. a bit. Thank God. Yokel Bear. Hello, Dumpty Dum. It's Yokel Bear here calling from Yokelshire. This week, I've changed my mind about something. You remember when I said that um, I thought Peggy was playing a very clever game? kind of getting a foot in the enemy camp. I think the whole thing with the photos this week really shows actually she's probably not. Um, I think what she's trying to do is be very fair and principled and to kind of do the right thing. But listen here, Peggy, principles and fairness against the Titchener's are not going to save your daughter. It's time to get the gloves off. Yeah. Anyway, I don't want to dwell too much on the story that shall not be named, even though I've just named it. But there you go. But the other thing was, do you know what? I'm really... I think there should be more Robert in. I'm really missing Robert. Every time he's there, I think Robert's just lovely. He needs an award. He's married to Linda Snell, for God's sakes. But when they're together, I just love the whole dynamic. I mean, when Lindy's all about out and about in the village and sticking her nose in and organising everybody. But when her and Robert together, it's really obvious that, that they're a really strong couple and that they really support each other. And I love it when I hear bits of uh you know bits of the dialogue between robert and linda it just gives me a really warm fuzzy feeling inside tenseness at the single wicket Ooh. though i thought johnny was very restrained because i would have just probably decked rob but you know what can you do eh so yeah so that's me this week okay i love that comment i thought at first peggy was playing a clever game She's not, though. She was just got it completely wrong. <laughs> <laughs> she was just no, trying to be not. nice. Yeah. I think, do you know, I think the thing about Peggy that, that, that comes up for me, time, she really reminds me of my grandma. And my grandma was um, obsessed with what other people thought and how things looked to other people outside the family. 
And, you know, you can't you can't do that because what will people say? And you can't do this because how will that look to other people? And she was very proud of the family and she kind of had a lot of very, very good points. And she was she was very tough and strong. But that was but it and it wasn't just her. It wasn't her personality. It was that class of post-Victorian lower middle class social anxiety what i said in my in my in my monologue about talking about down there and you know never saying what you mean endless euphemisms for things um and just making everything appear all polished and nice and even if everything was collapsing around you you put on a good face you polished the front door and you made sure all your brass was 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 shiny and um you know, you always made sure there was there was there was food in the house and whatever whatever else was falling apart. And when Peggy was um, living with her, her alcoholic husband at the ball, you know, she would never ever show that she was collapsing or that anything was collapsing. And that's what she's trying to do here. She's trying to iron out, not even iron out. She's trying to just literally put a cover, put a table. She's trying to put a tablecloth on. She's trying to cover over the absolute bare facts of what's happened and try to make it seem, she says, she said, well, life has to carry on as life has to go on, doesn't it? And she's trying to make it, you know, we see, we are, we are nice. We are normal. We are respectable. We can do nice, normal things. And a nice, normal thing would be to take the parents-in-law a photo, a framed photograph of the baby, completely ignoring the fact that, you know, her granddaughter tried to kill, you know, the baby's father. Um, no, well, and, that's what you want. I, I, I agree with everything you just said up until that point. She's not ignoring that fact. She's doing it almost because, because of, that, of fact. that fact. Yeah, yes, she's not yeah. ignoring it. Yeah. So she's she's, but she's trying to sort of polish polish it all up and just make it look. Honestly, we are really. If you got to know us, we are really a nice family. We don't do this sort of thing normally, you know. Um, and uh, yes, it's. <laughs> she's sort of embarrassed by by it all and then and now she's bewildered but hopefully rob's now unveiled his his true colors by um by you know shouting at her and throwing his toys and all that sort of thing so hope there'll be a lot more of that and more and more people will will figure out what a tosser he is uh, and, and and yes it, i agree oh, sorry oh, well, no all i was going to say is again just because we we ran the two uh kind of plot lines in, in parallel earlier didn't we saying that there's Rob uh, commenta- commentating on the single wicket and then people's reactions to that mm, um, yeah. and then and this is the other thing as well that Peggy now has seen how volcanic his temper can yeah. be you could you, she could say well he's just recovering from being stabbed etc but no this is the first time that somebody has clearly seen how unhinged but it's that interesting man can be because the first thing she did was blame herself and say i got it wrong it was really embarrassing well, i got it all wrong but you know, and lillian but, saying don't worry mum everyone makes mistakes but it was just but you can imagine it's just so bewildering but but peggy's not yes exactly but peggy's that, not that's dim. what i'm saying peggy's not dim. no but that you know she, she'll it, sit down that, give it a little bit of perspective yeah. and say but wait wait on a minute if he was like that yeah. with me yeah. It would have been like this yeah. with Helen as well. Yeah, but that's why it's important that she apologised because she suddenly, she was as bewildered as Helen is mm. when he first started doing his mad rants with her. Mm. So, she, yeah, she will empathise with that and think, oh, yes, that, that came out of nowhere and I apologised. How come I apologised? You know, that was out of proportion yeah. sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
and yes, I agree, Yoko Bear, as always. Um, uh, that uh, Lindy Bottom and Robert have a lovely relationship. I think really, really sweet um, and very supportive. And they're the only two people in the village you can put up with each other. Although Robert's easier to get on with than uh, than Lindy Bottom. But uh, yes, I I I also too am nice? very happy. Isn't Robert just too nice? You couldn't be with a Robert. No, because nice. he does. He does take the piss gently sometimes. No, he but doesn't. he he sees trouble coming and then steers her away from it, which is quite sweet, mm. I think. Yeah. Should we do with a spoon? Yes, please. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. Mercy. Greetings, Lucy, Royfield, Millie Bell, and all Dumpty Dummers around the world. With a spoon and Angus Haggis here. Wait, Angus is telling me something. He's behind you. Who's behind me? Oh, Rob, the Ambridge Panto villain. Maybe because all the listeners are in revolt, this is the way the scriptwriters are going to wrap up the storyline more quickly than originally planned. He's just going to become more and more privately and publicly unhinged. Here's a question. As Rob becomes increasingly focused on little Jack, Gideon, Tony, Archer, Titchener, will he lose interest in poor little Henry, who isn't even his son, and is, in fact, the son of a woman he considers to be Looney Tunes? I think that Henry is again at great risk for physical abuse. If sadly this occurs, it will be a major part of Rob's undoing. In another prediction sure to go wrong, Rob will freak out in full view of many when attempting to visit his son in prison and being denied the right to do so. In other news, there is a crack in the wall. I could again make a Doctor Who reference, but I won't. I guess this is the type of Archer's plotline that we're supposed to love. Just fix the damn crack with some pharaoh and ball paint already, Eddie. Why are you always trying to cut corners? It only costs you more money when all is said and done. On a more serious note, did anyone else notice that Joe was wheezing and coughing even more than usual this week? I'm a bit worried about Ambridge's oldest living resident. Will the newly invigorated Peggy soon inherit the crown? I hope not. Of course, the week ended on a cliffhanger. Will she or won't she? It was no coincidence that Lillian was thinking about Paul with sadness and regret this week. Husband and I think she does maintain her self-respect, and we predict no. We think she should also request a salary. Our Lillian isn't a quote-unquote pretty woman. On that 90s movie reference, we'll sign off. Talk to you next week. Hey baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. I didn't notice Joe sounding rough. Joe always sounds rough to me. I didn't notice any particular <laughs> roughness. Um, so I don't. I don't know. I think he sounded more exasperated with Eddie's stupid elf idea, mm. um, which is another Grundy wall, isn't it? But I, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know whether it's a race to the, it's a race to the death between Joe and Peggy. <laughs> Who's going to go first? <laughs> mm. But did you notice the old farmer's lung kicking in? Uh, I didn't at all. No, no, I, I didn't. But I did. There was a bit of um, eye rolling. I mean, when there was this, you know, oh, got this great business idea, you know, uh, elf world yeah. and, you know. And 
and and we know this has been a singular trope of this editor's tenure, which he would say he's take taking things back, but there's some things could can be left in the past. And the Grundies yes. and their the Grundy uh, world of Christmas. Yeah, Grundies <laughs> and their schemes is definitely something yeah. we should we should have left in the in the eighties and in the nineties. You know, it's yeah. got, you know, they're beloved characters, but you know, oh come on. You know, let's not have another yeah. gr- Grundy scheme. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Crafty rascals. Oh, God. Hi there, it's Jojo Sexy Heels here. We had the Sticky Wicket. We had Sticky Walls. We had Sticky Situations. We had the mention of Rory, so that was Sticky Liaisons. And then we ended up with Lillian and, I can't say Lady Chastley's lover, it's the way around, isn't it? Sticky Knickers at the end. Okay. That was me. Bye. Jojo Sexy Hills and her sticky week, sticky wicket, sticky knickers, she said. I see I wasn't even seeing any evidence of sticky, sticky knickers with Lillian. No, just nothing. Um, <laughs> yes, it has. It, there was a lot of stickiness. I am pleased that I don't care about anybody that says that it wasn't very sportsmanlike of Johnny not to shake his hand. How could you shake the hand of somebody who had done that to your stepsister or whatever you couldn't i couldn't it's his auntie auntie sorry yes so i i i would say i would i well i did say good on you johnny cricket be buggered gentlemen's whatever load of rubbish it's someone has been seriously seriously distressed and is now in prison and you know it's not something that 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 you should apply silly english rules to Mm. etiquette rules no, I, I wouldn't have shook his hand either. And um, I've got to say, um, and I, I know we're all saying that we all now love Johnny, uh, but yeah, we all now love Johnny even more. <laughs> well, we are, aren't we? Maybe uh, you know, it'll be Johnny and the tr- and the and the and the that thing, the drone, Johnny and the drone. Huh? Johnny uh, and the drone. Oh, you mean that the. The, the drone yeah, is going to... Okay. Yeah, somehow yeah, yeah, there'll yeah. be a storyline will involve Johnny and the drone and then we'll figure yes. out yeah, yeah, what yeah. happened. Mm-hmm. Nigel in New York. Loathes Jennifer Aldridge. Loathes? Yes. Oh, dear. Hello, Lucy and Roy Field and Billabelle. And thanks, Lucy, for the offer of a bottle of elderflower cordial. But by the time you paid postage on it, you could have put a down payment on a flight for the next Dumpty Dum reunion in New York City, where we'd all like to see you. And incidentally, Vicky, self-raising flour costs £2 a pound in America, which means that you have to make your own. Nice work. Last week on the Matthew Pip story, it was so funny and right on point from Lucy and Roy Field. I'm really looking forward to Pip's bluttering knickers. Well, I'm enjoying the archers again. I do have to say, for the last few weeks, I've been listening for the sake of our Dumpty Dum group rather than for the story. In pre-Dumpty Dum times, I would have given it a wide berth for a few weeks. The only reason I didn't call in last week was that it's wedding season and it disrupts my Saturday listening schedule. 
three little things this week. Firstly, I loathe Jennifer Aldridge. Why doesn't Peggy have a go at her as well as Pat? What a contrast. Really didn't like the way Peggy talked about Helen and Jack while Jennifer was there. Jennifer is being presented as a prissy little privileged drip. The only thing that causes her pain is the absence of one of her randomly generated children from the home farm table. We're apt to see her as a long-suffering wife of Philanderer Brian. But she's a woman with a past. She shagged away with the best in the 60s and 70s and landed herself a wealthy husband. And unlike Lillian, she's never had to work for a living. So she has all the self-congratulatory aspects of having been a hippie without any of the social or financial consequences. She's a sort of aging, spoiled hipster. Don't like to say this after she had that touching little bedroom breakdown with Brian a few weeks ago before yet another Aldridge party. Don't those people do anything else? She's smug about the Grundy's little move back to the cottage. Oh, not all of them, surely, as if they were cattle. She couldn't bring herself to refer to the village hall curtains as legs beneath her dignity, as if she was a sort of Victorian lady who prefers to cover the piano legs with decorative ruffles. The only comfort is that she told us that she's feeling very positive at the moment, which in Archer's speak means that she's destined for a huge fall. Finally, what does Lillian want most of all? She loves her family. She loves the way in which her family relates to Ambridge. I love the way she compared Toby to Eddie Grundy. Looks like she's a very good judge of character. And Justin seems like a sentimental sop and he gets what she gets. It seems like he's starting to like Ambridge too. And Geneva, great choice, is just the sort of place that a wealthy banker's wife would have a bit of a fling. I can just see the bland little Credit Suisse apartment on the Quai du Mont Blanc overlooking the fountain, an anonymous little crepe-to-clat ski lodge in the Alps where she'd be right at home. So, go Lillian, maybe. I think smug is right. I think it's right-ish because with Jennifer, she's never really that smug because she is always very conscious that she is there by the skin of her teeth, I think. Um, <laughs> I think it would be a bit hard. I think it's a bit harsh. But the bit that made me laugh out loud, Nigel, was when you said her randomly generated brood. <laughs> that really made me laugh. Um I think the massive row is going to be with Adam. I think you're right there. But I think it's going to be about the inheritance with Rory when she realises that uh, Brian and Adam will fall out hugely. Brian and Adam will fall out hugely because Brian will leave everything to Rory um, and miss out Adam. And then there will be a schism within the Aldridges. Mm. Which will be somewhat ironic after all the guff we've had to listen to over the last week about how marvellous Jenny is. Mm. I, I, I've got a lot of time for New York, Nigel. He's a man who I yeah. uh, 
traversed what seemed like half of Manhattan uh, with late at night. And whenever I listen to his prognostications on our podcast, I go, I wish I was as clever as him. And I feel somewhat of a fraud that I'm sat in the seat that I am and he's a, a mere, in inverted commas, caller in error. However, I couldn't disagree more. All right. I, I, Jennifer Alder, apart from the fact that she's just a great character, you know, I'm not saying that she's a good or a bad person. She's a great character. But mm. I, I, I don't see her as nothing but smug. I, I don't. I, I think... And I think you, you put your finger on it that there is a certain level of brittleness. Yes, she she wants she's the country squire's wife, and she plays that mm. role. She's always looking behind her, though, isn't she? <laughs> well, yeah, you know, and and she gets caught up in her own family, and a, and the and the in inverted commas comfortableness of her position. But most people mm. would in in that position, but yeah. she's not a mean person she's she's not some grasping social climber she's got a certain position and it's and and it's quite comfortable and but whenever she gets reminded that there is another world outside of the comfortable aldridge pile you know she she is aware of that you know no she isn't a a class warrior but yeah no i just think nigel nah mate nah (laughs) geese nah (laughs) Jennifer Aldridge is not a class warrior. (laughs) (laughs) But no, I I think, you know, you viewed with the the span of her life and, you know, what what she's gone through, you understand her her motivations and you you can, and and it makes sense uh, hanging on in there with Brian through thick and thin and the various affairs, etc., I, I don't think she's smug. I I, I don't. However, uh, New York Nigel is a much cleverer man than me. Uh, so one part of me wants to say, well, if New, if New York Nigel says so, it must be so. However, I respectfully <laughs> and absolutely thoroughly disagree with you, sir. <laughs> That's it. End of the calls. Smashing. Oh, we got any email or inners? No. Right then. It is the end of the caller in us. Oh, goodness, you know what, Lucy? This is going to be a little bit of a long show. I'll, I think we should have a brief sojourn. I'm going to... Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. 
That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number 1 in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Have a cup of black camp coffee. You'll probably have a of builder's tea won't you and we'll come back the other side with a touch of midi belt and you're going to tell us after that what your tweets of the last seven days have been thank you very much please june sarajevo the heir to the throne of Austria-Hungary, Archduke Franz Ferdinand, assassinated, killed by a Serbian nationalist. About six weeks later, world war breaks out. Germany, Austria-Hungary, Russia, France, Britain, everyone is drawn into it starting in August. And then, will America be drawn in? Listen to the first show exclusively on Mixcloud today and subscribe to us on iTunes beginning January the 18th. From Washington to Obama. 10 American Presidents, the new podcast from Royfield Brown. Do you have a National Trust sticker on your car? Do you think you could be best friends with Kath Kidson? Do you spend hours wandering around the airport looking for an organic quinoa cafe because you refuse to go to Burger King? Then Sarah Smith Cloths are for you. Available from Sainsbury's for the Posher Washer. Proud sponsors of Dumpty Dum. I've just had a look at the Dumpty Dum shop. They've got no tracksuits, but they do do t-shirts, which are very flattering. Nice if you want to show off your figure a little bit. Nick couldn't carry one off, of course, but I can. Good day, everyone. What an interesting week we had on the Arches. And that was also reflected in our forum. So that's dumptydum.com forward slash forums uh, and you need to go to the Dumpty Dum discussions because there's two areas but as well as uh, still discussing whether we should stay or Brexit there's been discussion about the devil's spawn um, Ursula or whether Henry is the bargaining chip uh, the question of friendship and Pip's love life also someone's weighing in any of those topics please uh, shoot over to dumptydum.com on our Facebook page, uh, we started, uh, well, fairly early in the week. We were very, very saddened to hear about Alan Devereux. I'm just going to read you out the most beautiful little tribute that was posted by Headley on another website, uh, sorry, on another Facebook page. And it was just so beautifully written, I had to uh, post it onto ours. She said, Alan Devereux played Sid Perks for 40 years and has sadly died. I was his second wife, Kathy. We were married for 10 years before it all went horribly wrong. Kathy had an affair, Sid had an affair, 
and their son Jamie was the best product of their union. Alan was an instinctively gifted actor. He got to the guts of a scene and was unafraid of sentiment or sentimentality. I never knew how he was going to play a scene, just that it would be good and he was lovely to act with. We had giggles. When an inexperienced spot effects man plunged blotting paper in a bowl of water for jam in Sid's porridge, and when we reunited in the bull and kissed the back of our hands, only to be told to kiss ourselves more passionately. He was such a lovable, sensitive man with a mischievous twinkle and a generous heart. I missed us when he fell in love with Jolene and married her, and I found myself on the other side of the studio bar in the bull. And now I miss my friend. His real-life daughter, Tracy Jane White, played Lucy Perks, and he was enormously proud of her and pleased to be acting with her. Golden memories. Thanks, Alan. Loved you. That really was lovely. And Robert Dwyer Joyce, one of our uh, listener inners, also said, I have an early memory of Sid Perks arriving in Ambridge. He was a bit of a wide teddy boy. I think I should have said wide boy teddy boy, sorry. Jack Woolley took him under his wing. He gave him a job and became a father figure to him. He somehow ended up running the bull as the manager before buying the lease with his first wife, Polly, who he called his pole doll. God, I'd forgotten that. Cannot remember how that all happened. Hopefully some of the senior fellow Dumpty Dums can fill in the gaps. Alan Devereux's performance was always believable and enjoyable. I do miss his Sid, but I'm so glad we did not get a new Sid. Thanks to you and Lucy for the podcast. A bit of humour is needed at the moment. Roll on April. Mm-hmm. Good point. We do need a, a bit of something light, don't we? I'm uh, just going to check how much time I've got left to talk to you guys. And I do have a minute and a half. So the other thing we were talking about on the uh, Facebook page, and it was just for a bit of fun really, uh, was that we were wondering if our if our characters were to run for American president, what would their slogans be? Karen Cunningham said, Lillian Towig, the only way is gin. John Cox said, Jim, make Ambridge great again. Maybe have Linda Snell as his running mate. Terry Gardner. Rob, I'm going to build a wall around Henry and keep those archers out. Andrea Melling. Rob, stop the feminisation of our nation. Gosh, I thought that was brilliant, Nicholas. Fiona Moran. Brian, no more herbal lays. Alison Molino-Johnson. Helen, Borsitcher Blue, making American great again. Love what you did there, Alison. And Charles, Pat, I should be there. That was delicious. Uh, Mike Hatton said, Eddie Grundy. Right, you are. Vicky Berry said, vote for Susan's hairdresser. She trumps all other attempts to make a candidate look ridiculous. Oh, I love it. You lot are funny. All right, there's many more like that on our Facebook page. So scoot over there. We want to see you there. We have a fair few listener interests lurking around. So get involved and uh, I'll speak to you next week. Hooroo! Thank you, Millie. Uh, Lucy. I do like the fact that your favourite coffee is Camp and Black. <laughs> what, like RuPaul? Don't go quiet. My yes. RuPaul coffee. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, tweet of the last seven days. Go. This one, this one is not is not a huge joke or anything, but I just really liked it because it seems to reflect what a lot of our listeners say about Dumpty Dum. It's Claire Steep, and she said, 
catching up with Dumpty Dum and realising you have all said much of what I've been ranting about to the cat. Glad I am in good company. And I think a lot of people listen to Dumpty Dum and then go, ah, yes, you see, that's what I said. And it's nice that that we can all do that. So hurrah for that. Um, Nim said, so disappointed that the Eternity Ring wasn't presented by Ruri dressed as a leprechaun jumping out of a huge red velvet cake. Mm. <laughs> uh, Skyzer said, I'm looking for a fun weekend. Anyone know where I can study figures on the nutrient benefits of suckler beef? <laughs> yes, this whole <laughs> this whole cow thing is going a bit far, isn't it? Now <laughs> far reaches of dullness. Um, uh, um, 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 Ms. Alliance said, "Menu idea for the Bull Family Restaurant: hamburgers. Very good, Ms. Mm. Alliance." Um, Denise Tomlinson, Dusty Substances said. Gideon Titchener sounds like one of those things the police ask people to say to check if they're drunk. <laughs> Gideon Titchener. Gideon yes, Ossifer. Gideon Titchener. I have only had a pint. Um, and Laura HT said, is I can't help but this is tw- Tweet of the Week, yes. <laughs> I can't help but imagine Adam viewing that lineup of the new pickers at Home Farm as being like his own episode of Take Me Out. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Uh, we had a little bit of Ian this week, didn't we? We did. It's nice to hear him. Just for him to say, oh, have you heard from Pavel? Yeah. And then he disappeared again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but what's go- But that is going to unravel, isn't it? That's all part of the whole unravelling process. Mm. Ian is going to tell Adam that he knows about Pavel. Mm. And he's going to say that he knows because Rob told him. And then Adam will completely go for Rob and will not hold back and will suddenly become very much Team Helen and will really kind of uh, stop being kind of... I mean, he's not very equivocal, but he will absolutely go for him Mm. now. Mm. And um, he will start remembering lots of stuff about Culverts and Stefan and everything else. Yeah. And then the drone's going to give us evidence of... And then we could change all... water courses. Stop caring. Yes. Mm. Smashing. Oh. All right. Well, hmm? you putting the bins out. Uh, yes, in the other room. Okay. <laughs> Repaper the living room or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Dumdydum.com. Go there. It's got shops. Got a forum. The forum needs some love. Actually, it really does need some love. It's ground to a little bit of a halt. Um, so uh, there's a little bit of chat there about Brexit and Glen Day After uh, was our last poster and that was some two days ago so please go and give our forum some love on dumdydum.com because it's good website's good forum's good got a shop everything smashing so go there folks because it's awesome uh, there are a couple of ways you can help our little show now first off you can write a review on iTunes because that's an awesome thing to do and it's very cathartic but also, apart from catharsis, it means that other people find our podcast and we might get to the top of those podcast charts. That used to be a line. We used to say it every week. Do you remember? Mm, mm, yeah. Don't anymore. Because we kind of didn't quite get to the top, but we get into the top 10 of the iTunes uh, TV charts, considering we're a podcast about a radio show. But anyway, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but 
that's one way. We were you also talking the podcast about programs about a pet. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, but, but if you can't be fussed uh, to exercise your fingers on a keyboard and go to iTunes, you can give us some of your hard-earned cash. Now, you can do this by hitting the donate button on our site or... Oh, sorry. Um, you can go to patreon.com, search for Dumpty Dum, and you can donate $2 a show, which is about pound thirty. Aye. Now, remember, you can get in contact with us by sending us a voice message via SpeakPipe. It is the little red tabby thing on dumptydum.com. Or you can call us on 0203-031-3105 to leave us a phone message. If you just want to pick up your phone because you can't work websites, which I'd struggle to believe that you can't because when you listen to a podcast, so you're pretty adept with things of the, the internet variety. <laughs> <laughs> but every now and then, a dumpty dum. Even listener... my mum's figured out how to listen to the Dumpty Dum podcast now, but she does keep calling it my blog. Really? She says, "Have you and Roy Ford done your blog yet?" <laughs> and I say, "No, no." <laughs> Oh, I love you, Mum. Um, but I tell you what, I tell you when people do actually pick up the phone for Dumpty Dum is when they're at work. And I know that Goddess Diva's done that a few times because uh, she can't be seen surfing the interwebs at work, uh, but she can be seen picking up the phone and people just presume, oh, well, she's obviously <laughs> on a work call. <laughs> she's calling Dumpty Dum. So maybe that's the reason why you'd ring 02030313105 to leave us a telephonic message because you're at work and you're skyping. On social media, specifically Twitter, we are at Dum D Dum. Me, I'm at Royfield, which is spelled R-O-I for India, F-I-E-L-D. Sarah Smith is at uh, Sarah underscore Smith and Harriet is at Shambridges and I am at Lucy V Freeman. Um, and then the other bit of social media where we are on is the Book of Face, and Millie Bell is doing a stonking job over there. Uh, there are, I don't know, like some 1,200 liker lurkers who are liking our page. Simply go on to the Book of Face and type in Dumpty Dum, and uh, you'll, you'll just like join the fun. So that's just about it from me. So I'm still in my post Muhammad Ali uh, morning phase. Uh, what are you going to do oh. the rest of your week? I'm supposed to be writing something and I've completely forgotten what it is. It's due in tomorrow, so I hope I remember soon. <laughs> uh, Purely. Yes, no, I can't remember. Mm-hmm. And I've only just... Re- there. In all of my kind of like, just like talking, talking, talking about Muhammad Ali, um, as I said, in my flat, I do have this little section, which is these two big pictures um, to to the greatest. And... Um, but in my previous business, uh, myvillage.com, um, I in part grew that business by doing flyers, Lucy. So myvillage.com started off in Notting Hill. It was mynottinghill.co.uk was the first website that I did. And when I was doing it all by myself before I got my investment, I was trying to figure out how I could publicize the website but also get income. So what I decided to do was to do uh, flyers. This is back in like, 1999 2000 and I did them for about five years in the end and what I would do I'd get a local business to um, advertise on one side and then it would be my Notting Hill on the other and the first flyer I did was an image of Goldbourne Road uh, with uh, an image of Muhammad Ali walking down it so I licensed this image uh, of Muhammad Ali 
a circa, I don't know, about 1967, so he's a, a young, handsome Muhammad Ali, and you could Photoshop him uh, walking down literally any street, and it looked completely like he's walking down that street. And it was the most popular flyer by far, because he's such an icon. And But the image itself was believable, and if you knew Notting Hill, there was Trellick Tower in the background, it was Notting Hill, and and one of my kind of most proudest moments professionally was um, 2000, I was looking to buy a flat in Notting Hill. And I was shown this flat on Chesterton Road and walked in and there on the fridge with a fridge magnet holding up was my flyer with Muhammad Ali Aww. walking down Goldbourne Road. And I was absolutely chuffed. And I turned to my partner at the time and she just kind of smiled as well. And um, I, I kind of said, oh, that's a really good image. And, and, and the estate agent, not knowing really what I did, said, oh, yes, you know, we've got our own local website here. And, you know, and, uh, you know, everyone's really, really proud of it. And they said, oh, so anyway, this is the kitchen, blah, 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 blah. You know, and we just kind of turned each other and kind of, kind of giggled and stuff. But, um, you know, e- even, you know, so even in my kind of professional life, to, to a little degree, uh, Muhammad Ali kind of touched on that as well. And um, anyway, champ, you are the greatest. And that's all from us. So goodbye from me. And goodbye from him. Toodaloo. See you. The whole world can whoop every man in Russia, every man in America, <laughs> every man in China, every man in Japan, every man in... Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. You are every man in America, the champion of the whole world. It's a big deal. So I kept working until I did it. <laughs> 